Leo Carlson scores a hat trick. Connor Bedard scores four points in the game. We'll talk about them and a bunch more prospects here on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's show, we've got to focus on some of the NHL's current prospects. We'll talk first and foremost about Leo Carlson's hat trick, how he got to it, and how he's being deployed in Anaheim. We'll also talk about Pavel Minchikov, who's been really, really, really good in Anaheim as well. Uh, in our second segment, we'll talk about some kind of more miscellaneous prospects, names you might not hear about every day, like Brock Faber, Ryan Johnson, a couple of defensemen there. We'll also talk about Connor Zari, who's been really good since his call-up um, from the AHL. Then in our final segment, we'll talk, obviously, about Connor Bedard. He scored four points in a recent game. He's back in the scoring lead for rookies. We'll also talk about Kevin Korchinski's first NHL goal, which came in the same game. Um, so make sure to tune in for that uh, and stick all the way to the end. Uh, so if before we get into any of that, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to $100 a month on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform make sure to make us your first listen of the day um so let's start off with leo carlson's hat trick i mean all three goals were really solid it it, it started off on the power play with a really decent uh kind of catch and release shot from carlson um his back foot re- his back foot like weight transfer and release is very pow- powerful and accurate and we saw that in that game um Talk me through kind of what you saw from Carlson in that game that made him so efficient and why his usage is so interesting. Because this particular, we rarely see this in the NHL uh, with rookies, right? Yeah, I'll start off with that second one. I think it's perhaps a more interesting question here. Yeah. Anaheim's development choice there is really, really unique, but I think it is cunning. I think it's really, really intelligent. Uh, we've seen in the past couple of years consistently NHL rookies, like especially NHL rookies who were just drafted that year, struggle immensely to adjust to the NHL level. And yep. we saw it especially last season with a big, powerful European player who went high in the draft, Yuri Slavkovsky. And the Habs may not have perhaps employed the, the wisest development route there in yeah. that first year where... Uh, they they consistently put Slavkovsky in situations where he, A, didn't have teammates who could create space for him to play in, and B, put him in a situation where he was at risk in terms of he had not learned a skill that he needed to protect himself at the NHL level yet in terms of pre-scanning and keeping his head up and not getting blindsided. And in order to avoid that, as you mentioned, Anaheim is taking a patient but really fun approach, very unique with Carlson, where they are not playing him every game. They're giving him rest days. They're giving him days where he can just have gym days, not have to skate or have to play NHL minutes. And uh, in order to compensate for that, when he does play, they're giving him all the opportunities in the world. Top line, top power play, 
playing 22 plus minutes a night. And that is a situation in which you allow an NHL, a young player to not only adapt the NHL level, but also have the opportunities to use their skill and create differences very, very consistently. So I think it's been a fascinating development approach so far. And yeah. quickly to address the, the other question there, I've been impressed with uh, with Carlson's release. I, I think that he, he, his shot has taken a couple steps this summer, and that was one of the critiques in his draft year of needing to, to kind of become more of a dual threat in terms of mm-hmm. being as good of a, a scoring threat as he is a playmaking threat. And mm-hmm. at least early on this season with six goals in eight games it, at the NHL level, gotta say, I think his shot's looking pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. Um, it's it's one thing that I thought would translate fairly well is just his catch and release shot because he's able to get in those positions so well and he's able to read plays in advance so well. I had no doubt that, you know, with time, his release would become more and more of an NHL shot. Um, I'm still waiting to see a bit more of that kind of play driving element. Um, I feel like a lot of the plays he's there to finish them and he does that really well, but I'm curious to see how Leo Carlson kind of develops that um, more intricate, uh, you know, skating pattern that more kind of draw players in and distribute type type of game. But so far in the in the games he has been playing and with those rest days to kind of get ready for those big games, he's been playing very, very well. And he's been giving it his all as well. You can see the effort level and the intensity is definitely there on every shift. So that's harder to maintain if you're playing, you know every single night but if you have those off days if you have those gym days and especially if you have days where you can just work on your skills um in between games you know spend extra time at the rink uh for 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 practice and then apply what you're learning in those in those you know training days to what you're doing on the ice I'm very interested to see how other teams kind of emulate this because like I said this isn't something we see often if ever and it's been working really well for Carlson. He's up to six points, uh, six goals in nine games. Uh, he's popping off right now. Yeah. But a quick word on Pavel Menchikov because he's been also very, very much impressed. Um, one thing I really love that he does is how often he just he completely discourages you know passing options off the rush on defense. You know, if the other team's breaking out, he's particularly aggressive on one of the passing options. You know, if one of the wingers is streaking up, instead of backing off of him and giving him space to work with, he's immediately he's immediately threatening to jump into that passing lane and cut off that pass. Um, and then if that doesn't, if that, you know, once he's discouraged the, the, the passer from making that pass, he then starts mirroring and, 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 you know, cutting back with that winger to continue taking away that option, but just, you know, the ability to manipulate the game without even touching the puck just by your, your positioning, I think is something that rookies very rarely excel at. And Minchikov excels at this and it would be one thing if he was just good at that, but he's insanely skilled offensively. Um, I have no complaints for Minchikov so far. There's nothing in his game that I can point at and be like, okay, this is a glaring weakness that he needs to fix. There's a player that's still raw that needs to kind of bring up his entire, you know, kind of package to uh, to an NHL level. But there is nothing about his game that I can point to right now as a glaring weakness. And that's very, very rare with, what, 20-year-old defensemen playing their first year in the NHL. I mean, oh, yeah. it's he's just been insane, right? He's been excellent. And even yeah. going back to his draft year, I remember having a similar impression of him as well, of like watching his OHL tape and 
kind of sifting through looking for those glaring weaknesses. And yes, at times he could be a bit over aggressive, could be a little bit over ambitious. Like his, his risk assessment gauge was not as refined as it is now, but even then he was this player that who had this combination of a tremendously dynamic toolkit. He's this powerful fluid skater with high-end handling abilities, a great playmaker. He has a wicked shot. He consistently gets into scoring positions. And yeah. defensively, this is a player who, te- who keeps tight gaps. He knows where he has to be. He switches his assignments fluidly with his defensive partner. He's using his physicality to clear the net front. He's really multifaceted and really quite yeah. versatile. And uh, I remember like the entire like mantra around him that year too was like this is still a very raw player but like what are the issues here and the fact that he's been able to kind of keep that identity two years onwards while playing nhl minutes is just so impressive so i guess one last thing here how has your kind of assessment of him shifted since he's been drafted oh he's just gotten a a lot more safe um you know he's always been kind of that more um risky player you know he'll he'll go and chase his own dump ins and just play with pure raw chaos but i see a lot more controlled chaos now um and he's just become so much so much more overall impactful which is crazy to think about because he was already a very impactful player he he influenced the direction of the game very often in the in, in the ohl um but now that he's in the NHL, he's influencing it in more ways with a lot more kind of intelligence and composure to his game. And he's just dictating the play almost every chance he gets on the ice. And I've just been thoroughly impressed with that element of his game. Um, so, yeah, very, very promising defenseman who I think eventually will become a top pair defenseman in Anaheim, uh, which is saying something given the amount of, of top you know prospects uh, in terms of D that they have. Uh, in their pool there so we'll, we'll see how that plays out but we'll talk about some more um, interesting defensemen uh, and Connor's Aria as well who's been popping off in, in the NHL so far uh, we'll talk about all that after these messages from our sponsors over at eBay Motors passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and far more, you have access to everything you need with eBay Motors. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back, which is available to U.S. customers only. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Alrighty, moving on to a couple of interesting prospects here that have been uh, fairly impressive in our viewing so far. We'll start off with Brock Faber, who's a very interesting ad for Minnesota, uh, and who has been really, really good in in these limited viewings um, that I've gotten of him. And just overall, his his sample this year has been fairly interesting because I never really expected Brock Faber to become such an efficient, stick-first, mobile defenseman. Um but I feel like, you know, if, if you're looking for, you know, kind of that Jared Spurgeon mold of defenseman, exactly. Brock Faber is it exactly. I mean, his, his mobility yeah. is ridiculous. His ability to close gaps, to get involved in, in transition defending, but also in zone, his ability to quickly close the space between him and a, and a, and a, and a puck carrier on the cycle. 
has been so interesting. His stick is always in the right spots, and he's constantly disrupting play um, just by virtue of having his stick in the right places and anticipating play two, three steps ahead. Um, you kind of have the same read on Brock Faber as kind of that kind of high-end thinker of the game who uses his mobility to play game well. Like, does that match what you've seen so far? Faber is one of my favorite, like, American defensive prospects, and he has been for the last, like, three years. Yeah. I've, like... I've been watching him like studiously for a while and and I, I've enjoyed every single viewing. Uh, going back to his D plus one, he was really impressive internationally. Uh, I think either as a D plus one or D plus two, he's shown at the Olympics. Uh, this has always been a player whose production has not exactly popped off the page, but every time I've watched him play, this is a player who leverages really, really high-end mobility and a wicked fast brain uh, to consistently create advantages for his team. And uh, that has not shifted at the NHL level. And he looks so comfortable. And it is such a Minnesota move to uh, be able to just casually kind of get Brock Faber as like the added throw-in piece of a Fiala trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, really astute, like targeted move there for Minnesota another uh kind of sign that that their scouting department is one of the stronger ones in the league and uh yeah they they just kind of casually traded for a, a potential Spurgeon replacement and yeah. whether he's going to be that the top pairing defenseman that Spurgeon that, that Spurgeon has become mm-hmm. remains to be seen obviously but at the at the very least I think that Faber has significant upside to be a second pairing version of that player mm-hmm. absolutely um do you want to guess uh how many minutes? He's gotten so far on average in his 14 game sample in the NHL. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be high. I'm going to be so happy about this. Uh, is it, I'm going to go with 20 minutes and 32 seconds a night. Is that optimistic? Uh, full three minutes higher. He's playing an average no, of 23 not. minutes and 25 seconds. A night? Yep. <laughs> 23 night for 14 games. And he's got six Minnesota points in that sample. Right. He's Minnesota just four. does it right. They yep. just do. He's got, he's got six <laughs> points in 14 games. He's plus five. Um, very oh, so interesting. He's yeah. just playing top pairing minutes while I'm here babbling about second line upside. Second pairing <laughs> upside. Cool. Fun. Well, listen, when you're Minnesota and you're struggling to put together performances and you've got a, a rookie who's playing this well, you play him all you can. Yeah. 23 minutes average a night, uh, which is fantastic average. and very rare to see for a um, – for a uh, defenseman playing his first year in the NHL, but Brock Faber's more than earned it. He's been so, so, so good uh, in his sample so far. I do also want to talk about Ryan Johnson because I don't feel like he gets enough love, and I'm guilty of this as well. I didn't really see a player who could kind of end up being a an NHL piece long-term, and he's proven me wrong so far. Um, he's got a point in three games. Um, he's been playing decent min- third-line minutes, uh, third-pairing minutes with about 15 minutes a night. Um, but what's been really impressive to me is how he controls the game with a stick. He's very similar to Brock Faber in the sense that um, he's not the type of physical bruising defenseman. He's more of that shutdown presence, but in the sense of always being well positioned, always using a skating to close gaps. Um, definitely less offensive upside and definitely less kind of a more muted defensive game than than Faber's. But so far in this three game sample, he's gone in the NHL. I've been thoroughly impressed with what he's been doing so far. Um, you know, and, and this is a player who was drafted, I believe in the first round of 2018 or 2017, something like that. And since then, he, and nothing about his production in the NCAA really screamed NHL player. 
Um, and heading into the offseason, there were talks about Buffalo just simply releasing him on the market uh, and not retaining his his, uh, his rights. Um, but they ended up keeping him around. They signed him, and it's been paying off so far in this three-game sample. But there's a ways to go with Johnson. He's still very much a... Um, a, 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 an unrefined defenseman and he still needs to develop some of those more high-end kind of habits and tools on the puck um some of his decisions are still kind of ncaa quality in terms of reaction speed um but once he gets in the groove of the game and starts making decisions more smoothly and kind of getting into the uh, kind of the automatic elements of being an nhl defenseman um, I feel like this is going to be a very useful defense because it's tools, the fundamental tools of skating, edge work, um, and, and stick positioning are really solid. Um, it's just a matter of getting him used to the NHL pace. And once he get, he's got that, it's going to be very interesting. Um, but finally, let's talk a bit about, um, about Connor Zari because he was popping off in the AHL uh, with 10 points in six games. And it was just a matter of time before he got called up, and he did, because um, Calgary needed any help they could get in terms of producing points. And yeah, four points in four games. I think he's going to have no problem, um, you know, helping out the Calgary Flames in terms of producing. Uh, what's your take on that? Right in Calgary, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> for one, for once. Uh, we're talking about a point per game center um, in his rookie year. Um, what's your four take? Games. Yeah, it is four a four-game game sample. Game. Yes, but, but still. Yeah, still, I mean, I, I didn't really expect this from Connor Zari. Did you? I mean, I, I never had him in high kind of in high praise in, in, in my mind. Like, he wasn't a player I would see really as a player who would end up being kind of a, an NHL regular in the sense that, you know, he could play in a top six. He could produce at an NHL level. Like, I, I saw more as a kind of a bottom six kind of complementary element. Did you? I think I always liked the skill. I think the the injury record always scared me a lot in yeah. terms of how highly I could value him as a prospect. Uh, but I think a healthy Connor Zari is a really, really, really fun player. And so far this season, he's definitely showing that. I mean, he's he's shown in, in both uh, uh, professional leagues now that, that he is a capable offensive player. And mm-hmm. I think that seeing the skill translate to the NHL is really, really nice, especially after all the hurdles that he's had developmentally. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm definitely happy that, 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 that he is having this opportunity to shine because I think... I, I may have slightly written him off due to the injury record for a while there, but going back to his draft years, I was always a fan of the skill and the goal scoring with him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah, he, he's a he's a fairly skillful player. Um, I just I, I still have questions, but so far this season, he's been looking really, really, really good. So I'll be uh, I'll be keeping a close eye on Calgary and how Connor continues to develop because this is fairly interesting. Uh, but that wraps things up for our second segment. Now we'll head into our third segment where we talk about Connor Bedard's four-point game as well as Kevin Korczynski's first NHL goal. It was about time. So uh, we'll go ahead and talk about that right after these messages from our sponsors over at Sleeper. The new NHL season is here and it comes with all sorts of possibilities. Cole Caulfield could score 50 goals. Your favorite team could hoist the Stanley Cup. And you can get involved by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our new number one choice for daily fantasy sports, and especially daily fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. What players would you want to actually bet your, your stakes on? In order to win, you need to 
correctly guess eight specific player stats. Now, you can take your guesses on high-flying rookies like Connor Bedard and Leo Carlson, or you can go with the steady hand of veterans like Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. The choice is yours. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, so ending things off, we'll talk about some Chicago Blackhawks prospects, starting with Connor Bedard. Um, obviously, you know, we know who Connor Bedard is. He needs no introduction. Uh, and he scored a four-point game recently. Um, very impressive performance there from Connor Bedard. He scored, I think, I think it was two goals and two assists. And yeah, he looked very much a part of a player who's going to take this team by the throat and just make it his. I mean, he's just he he's going to make the Chicago Blackhawks his team. And yeah, I mean, you you talk about Bedard's kind of skill set and abilities, but you know, recently it was a bit mute, more muted. Um, before his game, that he had what seven points in eleven games. You know, not nothing to blow you out of the water. Um, but now with this game, I mean, he's almost back in point per game territory. He's back in the scoring lead um, for rookies in the NHL. You know, is this the kind of pace we can kind of expect from him in terms of almost a point per game, you know, or, you know, does that seven points in 11 games pre, you know, four point game make more sense for Bedard? I, I, I'm still on the fence regarding that. I mean, my mantra throughout the entire like offseason on that front was, well, the Chicago Blackhawks are not good and they're not going to score many goals. And yeah. unless he gets goal scoring support, he won't be able to produce at that level, I don't think. Yeah. Well, we're looking at a team that has like what Lucas Reichel at like one or two points throughout like, like for the entire start of the season. Like he's not getting much support and he's still at a point of game. So, yeah. hey, uh, at this point, I'm not going to bet against Bedard. Like, I think that, <laughs> like, <laughs> sure, he might he might end up with, like, 65 points, but, like, yeah. really the difference between 65 points and 80 points when you're on a team like the Chicago Blackhawks and you're an NHL rookie, not the biggest in the world, and I don't yeah. think that's, like, uh, the, the the inconceivable thing that Bedard could do. Like, that, it's far from the most impressive thing that he would do in his career, I think, so. Yeah, uh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. What surprised you the most about Bedard so far on the start of the season? Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many options here. Like, is it is it the release? Is it... Put it this way. I, I think it's really impressive that Bedard went through his first, like, what, five NHL games without really showing off his release. Yeah. And despite that, there was zero anxiety about anything in his play. He was dominating every shift. And then he just started scoring those goals. Yeah. Because Bedard is the level of player who whose confidence is not shaken by a slow start and unlucky bounces and shooting low percentage. Like yeah. he just kept rifling the puck, kept getting to high danger areas, kept creating significant advantages in the offensive zone with or without the puck. And uh, yeah, I, I think that the that early show of resilience of not like sniping a goal in his first like four or five games, and despite that being so effective and uh, valuable, is yeah. really impressive. Oh, absolutely! And you know what's been really impressive to me is that despite the fact that he's got a thirty-eight point seven percent faceoff percentage, um, he's still playing almost twenty minutes a game. He's out there on every shift, and there's a reason for that. Three minutes less because... than Brock Faber. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is less than Brock Faber, but we're talking about, you know, a player who... Bedard can't, can't achieve the lofty heights of Brock Faber here. Patty. Exactly. We gotta yeah, gotta yeah, keep no, ourselves realistic here. Yeah, um, Faber is definitely the better player. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about a Conor Bedard who... You know, like you said, he hasn't been really showcasing his release as often as he was in junior. And it's so funny because that doesn't stop him at all. You know, he's not the type of player who's one faceted, who has this one skill and kind of abuses it until the the puck goes in. He can score sure. in so many different ways. And that's one of the things that's impressed me the most. Um, it's just, you know, he can score on the wraparound. He can score on the backhand. He can he can crash the net. He can, you know, put pucks on net from the perimeter. He can, you know, bank pucks in from in tight. You know, there's so, there's so much versatility to a scoring game. And on top of that, he's trying his best to set up his teammates. Yes, he has seven goals and only four assists in, in, those, uh, in those 12 games. But... He's constantly setting up teammates in good areas. He's constantly trying to find his teammates in, in kind of those soft spots. And he's using his shooting threat to open up those lanes. So, you know, we talked about a player who showcases adaptability. I've seen adaptability over the 12-game sample with, with Connor Bedard so far this season. I can only imagine what two, three years down the line that adaptability is going to look like. He'll have added so much to his game in that span. He's already a point per game. I mean, it's just going to be ridiculous to watch him in a couple of years. I'm so incredibly excited for this prospect um but moving on real quick to um to kevin korchinski who scored his first nhl goal in that same game where bedard scored four points um it was earned i mean korchinski's been playing really good hockey and he's he's kind of forced uh chicago's hand in terms of keeping him up in the nhl um, he could, he was eligible to be sent back down, um, but they decided against it because he was playing decently enough that he was worth keeping around. Um, you, you look really quickly at a scoring, um, at, at a score sheet and see the minus eight and get a bit worried, but honestly, we're talking about the Blackhawks. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's not the type of organization that necessarily has all the tools put together in order to have good on ice performances and, um, and plus minus is certainly a team stat a lot more than an individual stat. Um, so yeah, I've, I've not been surprised with that as well. Cause you look at Connor Bedard as well, and he's minus six and he's got almost a point per game. I mean, it's not really an indicator of whether a player is being, is being good or bad on the ice. It's more an indicator of how the team around him is kind of shaping things up. Um, but yeah, what's, what's taking you back with, with Korchinski? Cause I wasn't really expecting him to make the NHL this year at all. Me neither. I don't think either of us have ever really been like the the most bullish public scouts on Kevin Korchinski. I know yeah. I wasn't, uh, and and that still hasn't quite shifted. But yeah. I've been impressed with his early start. Like like he's showing me uh, more in less time than I was expecting here, and yeah. uh, he's playing some decent enough hockey. I mean, being able to stick on the twenty twenty three twenty four Chicago Blackhawks blue line is not perhaps the greatest achievement a player can ever make uh yeah. but but he cracked the lineup and he's playing better than players around him are and yes a lot of that is by virtue of it being a weak defensive core around him but he he is still relative to what else is available in that organization playing some good hockey and uh yeah. he's been fun he's bringing some excitement to the ice yes there are still mistakes there will be mistakes forever with Korchinski. uh this isn't if you eliminate the mistakes from Korchinski's game, you render him ineffective. Like what makes him valuable is the risk taking. And if yeah. he's not taking risks, he's not creating advantages. So 
uh, I like that, that that he's kind of just being allowed to, to take those risks. And I think that Chicago is a bit more of a modern organization on that front of wanting to allow their young players to make those mistakes in order to learn and to grow, uh, which I definitely think is helping his development here. For sure. hundred percent fully agreed. And, you know, we're talking about a, an environment in which, you know, he's going to be able to eventually take that kind of, that, that kind of prominence on that decor. I mean, we're not, I, I don't really see anyone else in the system with, with Chicago that can particularly compete with Korczynski in terms of high end defensive ability. Um, you know, at least, at least among defensemen at forward. I mean, I, I really, really like um, Oliver Moore and I think he's going to be a fantastic kind of compliment um, to, to what Connor Bedard is going to be in terms of a top center. Um, if you slot Oliver Moore as your 2C long-term for the rest of his career, you're laughing. That's a really, really good one-two punch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been particularly impressed with Gorczynski's ability to um, to assess his risks and to to know when to go all in. Um, I think that was one thing that I kind of didn't really like in his draft here was that um, you could see a player who was either going all in at the wrong moments or holding back at the wrong moments. But there wasn't that kind of gauge of... You know, we talked about it a, a long time ago with, um, you know, a, a Habs prospect in uh, Otto Engstrom, but just knowing when to play poker and how to play poker on the ice, um, knowing when to show your cards, knowing when to like to, to bluff or go all in or all that stuff. I mean, I'm very interest, impressed with Korczynski's ability to kind of navigate that in an intelligent way. Um, and I'm curious to see how he develops. But uh, that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked on Sports Today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in tomorrow as we talk about some 2024 NHL draft eligibles. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.